Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another My Angular Story. This week, we're talking to Paul Spears. Paul, do you want to say hello? Hello, everyone. Now, we had you on episode 158. That was in October of last year. We're recording in 2018 here. And uh, yeah, we talked about teaching Angular. Now, you work for Oasis Digital, Angular Bootcamp. Uh, I, I don't know what other brands are, are tied up there. Uh, but do you want to just give a little bit more of a background and, and brief introduction? Sure. So yeah, I work for Oasis Digital. We're a software development firm based out of St. Louis. Uh, Angular Bootcamp is one of our offerings. And as an employee of Oasis Digital, I go and I teach Angular Bootcamp. But we also have you know, various kind of other instructors throughout the, the U.S., a couple of international instructors as well. And so, yeah, I work for Oasis Digital. They're the first company that I technically kind of you know, got my official career launched with. And so I've been with them since uh, 2000 and, oh, let's see, what was it? About 2010. So going on eight years now. Nice. That's a long time. Um, most developers I talk to are not at a company for that long. Yeah, you know, I, I've gotten real lucky and kind of got my career started here. And as a part of what I do, I get to kind of go around, see all these other companies, see how they work. Um, and it kind of reaffirms that, you know what, this is a good place to, to stick with. You know, like they keep me, keep me learning, they treat me well. So I'm going to stick with it for now. Good deal. Well, this uh, podcast is more about kind of capturing your story and telling your right. story and giving people an idea of where you came from and, you know, what your background is. So let's let's go way back and talk about how you got into programming. Yeah, so really got my start uh, early high school, maybe even uh, late middle school. Uh, my dad and I, we would go uh, round up old discarded PCs and kind of piece them together from scratch, you know, building out, you know, armies of 386 and 46 machines uh, just because we could, and, you know, Commodores and putting them all together and, you know, hacking them up and installing OSs on them and kind of making them do what we needed to do to kind of get this PC started on a budget. And so that's what really sparked the whole, like, ah, I'm really into this computer stuff. And I like being able to make this machine, you know, mm -hmm. do my bidding, you know. And uh, in high school, though, uh, later years of high school, I had a teacher slash mentor where I had my first computer science class. And, and that's where I realized that 
oh, wow, there's so much more to this computer stuff other than just using it. You know, I can actually program it as well. And so uh, after a couple of years of high school learning uh, C++, I was like, this, there's a good chance this is what I'm going to do. And so I took that and I ran with it uh, all the way through to college and, and then on to become you know, my career from there. Cool. So, so you went to college, you have a computer science degree or something similar? Yep. So I uh, went through a kind of a pretty standard uh, path. There was a little bit of confusion in, in the beginning of my college years where I was thinking I might be more into computer engineering. Uh, so I started down that route, uh, decided that the, the hardware and, and logic versions of that were not quite what I was looking for. I really was more interested in the software. Uh, so after a year of computer engineering, switched my major to computer software. And that was you know, a pretty straight transition there because all the classes were relevant anyway. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't really even slow me down. Uh, I did take some time in college going back and forth from school to work to help pay down the cost. But other than that, taking my time through college, I ended up with a, a bachelor's in computer science. Nice. Now I have a bachelor's in computer engineering, so I, I stayed the course, I guess. Um, but anyway, it, it, it's interesting just to hear all the background and, and where people come from. Now, how old were you when you started doing um, the PC stuff with your dad? Uh, so I would have been, I would probably been around 13, 14 years old mm-hmm. when we first started doing that together. I didn't really have a, a home PC before that. And so when we started doing that, that was my first real exposure to being able to use a computer on a daily basis. So gotcha. Yep, we spent all all summer just putting them together, staying up late nights watching the progress bars of Windows three <laughs> O install. Oh wow, that was a long time ago. So what was it that that got you excited about programming? What what was it that drew you in? You know, I, it's hard to it's hard to really describe it, but it probably has something to do with just the kind of the logic puzzles. You know, every time you're trying to solve something, it's just one different kind of logic puzzle after another. All the pieces are there. All the tools that you need to to figure out how to do anything you want with a computer are all available to you. You know, it's just one giant Lego kit that you got to figure out how to put the pieces together. (laughs) Uh, I I think that that essence of it is what really drew me in. Gotcha. Uh, And then similarly, though, in, in high school, I, uh, I participated in kind of like work study like things in high school where uh, I would I'd volunteer and be able to go in and do some work for, for the school as just like a volunteer program. Uh-huh. And they had me uh, doing some office work and it was really dry, repetitive, boring work. And this was after um, only a semester of computer science classes. I realized that the work I'm doing could be totally automated with just the simplest little program. And so they had me doing this work where I was taking travel reimbursement reports and I was actually checking the mileage to see if the mileage that they were reporting matched up to the trip that they were on for work, for their work and just verifying that that was okay. And this was back before MapQuest and Google Maps were a thing mm-hmm. and you had to break out the paper map and actually go and look up the, the mileage estimates over this distance. And I got real tired of doing that. And so in, in high school, I said, all right, I'm just going to, instead of doing this work for you, I'm going to make an application that'll let you put in your your starting point and your destination. Is it's going to be a basic lookup table that's going to go ahead and just spit back the answer of you know what the expected travel uh, distance would be. And so that's when it really clicked that I can use computers to solve 
all kinds of real world problems as mm-hmm. well. And I was after that, every kind of job that I had, I kept finding a way to kind of tie it back to, oh, I can solve this with, with software. Nice. It's it's funny because you talk about these business processes and the ability to automate them and find solutions to them. And I mean, when I got into programming like professionally and, you know, got excited about it, that was what drew me in was we had a tech support system that we were running and, you know, it they, they wouldn't spring for the software. So we just built it ourselves, essentially. <laughs> and yeah. I kind of forgot those roots a while back. And then recently with the podcasts and everything else that I do, um, somebody finally, you know, smacked me upside the head and said, you're a coder and you can automate that stuff. And so I've gotten back into it now. <laughs> and, and and so I, I just, I love these ideas that, you know, come through this and I, I want to call them out when I see them because I, I don't think we always recognize the actual value that we bring and the the power of our skill set for the people that we work for or work with. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we've been recognizing that more and more here and we kind of call each other out and we keep re- referring back to the phrase, you know, the cobbler's kids have no shoes mm-hmm. to where, you know, here we are, we're building these automation systems and writing software suites for these big, large business processes. And yet we manually step through our own, yeah. you know, processes all the time. Yeah. I'm actually working on, and I'm going to be speaking in, um, in Denver uh, in a couple weeks. Of course, this will come out after that, but um, I'm going to be talking about automating processes, coding processes for Angular. And yeah, it's it's really funny how much time we spend working on stuff that we could automate away. And especially once you get to a team of a certain size, you can almost replace the ne- that next person you feel like you need to hire with a system like a, a continuous integration system or things right. like that, where they're running all those processes for you. Yep, exactly. So I'm curious, how did you wind up at Oasis Digital? Uh, as far as I can tell, sheer luck. Uh, so whenever I started on, Oasis uh, had already been going for uh, about, uh, I believe it was like eight, eight to 10 years maybe before I even uh, started, but they were, it was basically just the founder and he had uh, had a bunch of remote employees or contractors rather that he had hired on to be able to do particular kinds of projects. And so mm-hmm. that had been going for like 10 years. And right before I started my career career hunt, they had just opened it up to actually hire on local developers to expand the, the company itself and kind of take it into the next generation. And I had been, applying everywhere. I, I was coming out of college without any real uh, experience or mentorship in what it looked like mm-hmm. to develop applications for real. I didn't have anyone in my family. I didn't have any personal family, friends, or any kind of mentorship at all to say, oh, here are the things you're looking for in a job. Here's what you're looking for in terms of uh, questions to ask in an interview. So I had no idea what I was doing during my job search. And uh, by luck, I happened to put in my resume to enough uh, different search aggregators and whatnot that eventually landed on uh, the desk here at Oasis Digital. And they were you know, looking, I have no idea what characteristics they were looking for specifically, but they, they gave me a shot. I completely bombed my interview. It was an absolutely terrible interview. I kind of walked out of there knowing that I wasn't going to hear from them again. 
for whatever reason, they, they saw something they liked and gave me a call back and said, we're going to give you another chance. And I nailed that. And here I am. Uh, as far as, you know, how I sought them out, there wasn't any kind of like, oh, I, those Oasis Digital folks, I really want to work for them. At that point, I was just throwing darts at a map and seeing what was sticking. <laughs> and, you know, luck and, you know, you know I, I attribute my faith to it, to having a big role in that as well. Just happen, happening to land this right in my lap. So, uh, yeah, no real rhyme or reason to it. But I got real lucky and I've been sticking it out and it's been going well. You know, I've been trying to coach people through a lot of the things that you're talking about as far as, um, you know, just being out there and finding a job. And I know that uh, Oasis Digital does the Angular Bootcamp. And so you probably have some people coming in who are going to be looking for a job afterward. And I'm, I'm, I'd, I'd love to know what your approach is to bringing people along to that place where they can apply to whatever or can work through or toward having a job uh yeah so a lot of times mo- most of our students are actually developers who have been doing this for for a while mm-hmm. you know, they're not actually coming in from oh I, I want to learn how to be a programmer in fact we advise that those students not apply to the class uh not sign up for the class but n- nevertheless some still take it on they, they take on that challenge right um and we have a very short time with them. We get three days with them and we can, we kind of do what we can with that time. And a lot of time there's, there's lots of times for breaks where we go in and we can talk with them and advise them. Uh, we have a lot of people that will follow up with us just in casual phone calls. Uh, there are those though, like you mentioned, that would go on looking to get hired. And uh, we have had some actually that have taken our class that have come back and actually applied and joined us here at Oasis Digital. In fact, uh, in terms of bringing them along, I think it goes back to one of the things I mentioned right at the beginning of this conversation where, you know, the thing I liked about programming was that this is just a, you know, a puzzle to solve. And the, we just put all of our emphasis on saying, look, if you are interested in that, if you have that desire to, to solve the puzzle and to keep, you know, acquiring the skills needed to solve the puzzle, everything else is really going to sort itself out. Mm-hmm. And so we put our emphasis there uh, in terms of adding the angular aspects to it. It's mostly a matter of just continuing to give them the, the, the history and the building blocks of, of what they're doing, why they're doing it. And the API isn't really all that important at the end of the day, like le- learning the actual API and, and which calls to make when that's really just a, a side effect of, of what you're going to be learning. You're going to be learning about the ideas and the concepts and, and the big picture of how to put the pieces together. You know, and you really don't care at the end of the day, like how the Lego snap together. You just care that you, you know how right. you have a vision for the picture of what you're building and, and the basic pieces that you're going to need to build it out of. No, that makes a ton of sense. I, I tell people, so I have a course on this too, um, that by the time this comes out, will be, uh, publicly released but you know i tell people it's like yeah you're you're being hired to solve a problem you're not being hired to write code you know the code is almost incidental to all the other stuff and so yeah you know if if you if you get excited about solving these problems then you're going to be fine you just have to convince somebody that you can solve those problems so yeah that also opens up the door to uh hiring outside of that you know happy path of cs degree you know, computer science background, whenever you have people that are coming from uh, our two of our more recent hires, one of them was a, a psychology uh, major and the other one was uh, chemical engineering. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, sorry, chemistry. And so they have non non CS backgrounds, but because they're still applying that problem solving approach to the things they're running into, they've transitioned great into these career paths with with software development. Yeah, they're working out great. So yeah, that 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 key is that that hunger and thirst for the problem solving, and the rest of it just kind of falls in place. Yep, I 100% agree. So what have you done in Angular that you are particularly proud of? Is it mostly the training, or are there other projects that you've done that you're excited to talk about? Yeah, so with, with the training, um, our trainers, they probably only go out, myself included, about probably oh, anywhere between 12 and 15 times a year uh, mm-hmm. where they'll do a training. The rest of that time is spent on project work. And so a large portion of my job is actually doing projects themselves. Unfortunately, by nature of what our particular company does with internal facing large enterprise you know, flavored apps, most of what I do isn't publicly available. Right. It's locked behind a firewall with all kinds of NDAs slapped on top of it and, you know, things of that nature. Uh, so I can't really talk about most of that. But what's been really neat is the Angular Bootcamp experience has allowed me a way to actually put my work out, outward facing, taking what I've learned, applying it to that Angular Bootcamp curriculum uh, and the process that we go through with Angular Bootcamp to create uh, an artifact that you can actually expose externally. Uh, here in the last, I'd say it's probably been about, a, actually a little over a year now, maybe even possibly two, I've lost track at this point. Uh, I've actually taken over the leadership of the actual curriculum effort itself. And so whenever we get together and we have our, our team meetings about how should this curriculum be formed or shaped or what have you, uh, I actually am the one that ends up being able to say, yep, that one goes in, into the master line of our of our repository for our curriculum that one doesn't you know let's talk mm-hmm. about that one more let's talk about why we're doing this and that and and uh kind of using the the pedagogy that we've picked up plus our angular expertise and kind of shepherding that towards the canonical source for our content and so uh we've most recently actually open sourced that curriculum and that to me is probably the thing i'm most proud of is actually saying all right all this hard work that we've poured into this thing uh, over the last five years, here we have it, and we're now open sourcing mm-hmm. the majority of the examples from that that curriculum. And so, being able to to take that work and actually start contributing back to the open source community is not something I often have the chance to do based on the little work that we're doing. So, uh, it's nice to actually put some code out there that others can get their hands on. I love that. I love that idea. How do you how do you go about designing a curriculum? I mean, I'm assuming that when you started, there was already something, but, you know, uh, what what do you look at? <laughs> yeah, it was actually, um, it, it was mostly ad hoc in the beginning. Uh, the the person who actually started Inga Bootcamp, uh, he, he was the founder here. Uh, he is the founder here at Oasis Digital. Uh, he started the bootcamp based off of his experience teaching uh, previous technologies. And at the very early days, it was actually, we were all just live coding example after example. We had a basic outline of here are the topics that we want to talk about. And every single class we would live code through those three days, giving you example after example and letting the class itself kind of guide where those conversations went. And that was not a process that we could, you know, expand upon and bring in other developers and expect everyone to kind of produce the same level of of quality. And so we just started taking that shared experience uh, and we would have 
very frequent meetings uh, of varying lengths, mostly like probably two to three times a week for three hours a day. We would just meet and we just talk about what are we doing? What, how was this received? And we would all just get in and hash it out and say, all right, I liked how step, you know, 102, I like how that played out. Uh, there's these little tweaks I'd like to make. And then we would all just right there in the code base together, just start editing, editing the code that we started to collect after doing this over and over again. Uh, that that process kept continuing on and continuing on until it got so big that we had to say, all right, we need someone to actually kind of manage a mainline version of this. And so the curriculum itself is was arrived at fairly organically just by way of collecting the customer feedback, applying you know, a lot of the knowledge that we already had. Taking the knowledge that we had from our project work was also a very important part of it. Applying that to the, the curriculum so that way we were able to like trim off things that are, you know, not not as important in our opinion to teach about, and we just kept ruthlessly iterating over that, uh, and we still do even today. Now that even though Angular's you know on version almost six, but may even be six by the time this releases, we're able to still take that curriculum and turn over it every time we teach it. There's something new that we're getting out of it and reapplying back to that that repo. So it's uh. It's really interesting progress. I really nothing formal to it. It's just mostly a continuous iteration and, uh, over it and refining it. Makes sense. So what are you working on now? So now I'm actually, I just wrapped up a project, um, waiting to see what the next big thing is going to be. In the meantime, though, uh, we actually, I mentioned that we just released our curriculum, uh, the majority of our curriculum examples, open sourced. And now that we've done that, of course, we're now saying here are 500 things that we'd like to change about it now that everyone's <laughs> scrutinizing it all day, every day. So I'm going back and cleaning up a lot of the, the things that we're, we're seeing there, fixing that all up. Uh, we've been playing around with StackBlitz quite a bit. That's part of the open, open sourcing of our, of our material where we were uh, utilizing StackBlitz to make that easy to jump in and work with. And so I've been utilizing that API a lot, playing around with it, seeing what other kinds of uh, tools and gadgets that we can come up with to support our class. Aside from that, I've also been doing a lot with uh, exploring different kinds of visualization tools. Mm -hmm. So we've used D3 pretty heavily in the past, and we've played around with different ways of integrating D3 and Angular. And I've just wrapped up a Canvas version of a a data visualization tool that we've been uh, selling here as an add-on for the uh, for Atlassian's Jira. And so we've got a neat little D3 visualization that's rendering out to Canvas and an Angular application and have had a lot of fun building that. And so I'm thinking about actually picking that up and rewriting that same implementation using WebGL just to continue to eke out more and more performance. So those have been the big things, the, the curriculum and playing around with these data visualization tools. That's really cool. So what's your favorite part of Angular? So the favorite part for me has been I continue to learn stuff about Angular. Every time I think, yeah, I've got I've got this Angular stuff figured out. There's nothing else to learn. Uh, something else crops up, or a new way of thinking about you know a particular pattern emerges. Most recently, that's taken the form of um, now that everyone's kind of like on the NGRX bandwagon. Over the last few uh, last several months now, we've actually been kind of winding down and, and starting to back off that NGRX pattern a little bit. And we're seeing kind of new ways of, of managing states start to emerge. Uh, in particular, like the, the more you learn and are better able to utilize observables in RxJS, 
the more you can actually leverage things like the, the forms API and the router API more efficiently. And the more you can do with just those two pieces of Angular and the less you need with NGRX. And so the thing I like most about Angular has been that shifting landscape of, all right, here's the way we're going to build an application. And then, you know, and as those patterns have been used and tested thoroughly, you get to find simpler and simpler ways. And Angular itself is actually kind of showing up and real, making me realize I can just use this little piece of Angular API. I don't need additional tooling. Mm-hmm. So I, the more I use Angular, the more I'm using just Angular. And that's been that's been my favorite part about it is the more I use it, the more I can use just that and I don't have to couple as much with it. It's kind of a weird answer, weird esoteric kind of answer, but um, it's been it's been fun to see that pattern emerge. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. And I, I've been talking to a lot of people and uh, you know, for JavaScript Jabber, and then we started shows on Vue and React and it's interesting just to get a read on what people are looking at these days. And it seems like as far as the frameworks go, a lot of things have pretty well settled as far as how we do things. I mean, all of the the three biggest frameworks anyway, do components and, you know, they have, they have a lot of things in common. And then, you know, the way that you do it is somewhat different, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and the opinions within the, the frameworks are out there, but yeah, now we're seeing, okay, now we're innovating in the space of build tools and um, the state management and a couple right. of other areas. And, and I think that's really kind of the, the place where we're seeing a lot of the, the innovation these days. And so, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to me that you bring that up as, oh, you know, we're, we're learning new things in these areas and that's what's exciting. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I'm also looking forward to seeing... Um, it really feels like this is the the generation of frameworks that's going to see emerge from it the fact that, oh, the web platform itself is stable enough for us to start developing some some real mature tooling on top of. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what's next in terms of what kind of crazy tools we're going to get out there to build you know, full stack applications with now that we have a stable web platform. Yep. Well, cool. Well, the last part of this um, episode is picks. Do you have some picks for us? For you, the listeners of My Angular Story, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. Just enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Loot Crate is one of my favorite things. Every month I get a box in the mail, costs less than $20, and it comes with all kinds of goodies. I have stuff from just looking at my shelf... Batman, Spider-Man, Ninja Turtles, Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and much, much more. So if you're a geek, a gamer, anything like that, and you want cool stuff to put around your office, uh, cool t-shirts, comic books, etc., then definitely check out Loot Crate. To save 10% on your new subscription, go to lootcrate.com slash ruby. Again, that's lootcrate.com slash ruby to save 10% on any new subscription. Enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Yeah, I got a couple. Uh, so the first one, I actually mentioned this earlier, would be uh, StackBlitz. I'm not sure if anyone else has mentioned it yet. Uh, it's a really cool little tool that you can utilize, uh, stackblitz.io. Uh, and you can go on there and you can point it at an Angular CLI 
project on GitHub, and it will automatically just pull that project in to an online editor and then immediately build it behind the scenes in your browser and then run it live for you. And so it's this really nice, uh, tight iteration tool that you can use to tinker around with any CLI project that's out there on the web. Uh, there's got a bunch of other functionality beyond that, but that's the thing that I'm most excited about for it. My other pick would be um, the N Nintendo Switch. I recently picked one up, um, and it's been surprising how nice that is to be able to travel with with a Switch when you're flying around, going to hotels, and having that little bit of fun and consistently consistently be able to keep having something that you can do that isn't work whenever you're out traveling. So that was nice. I keep trying to convince my wife that I need one of those for when I travel. And uh, she, yeah, she's not that, convinced yet. That was That's what did it. I actually um, got it for my birthday from my wife. And it was me mentioning, you know, there's a guy across the aisle from me. He had a switch when he was flying. He looked like he was having so much fun. And she finally caved. And <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to take notes on, on how you made that work. So, Yeah, no, it... It happened barely, but I got one now and uh, I took it with me on my last trip and that, it was nice to have. Yeah, I've been doing a bit of traveling lately. I mean, uh, NGConf isn't that far because I, I live near Salt Lake, but um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to be in Seattle uh, and Denver and Philadelphia and that's just within the next few months um, and probably at least one other conference. And so I, I, I'm, it's, it's looking more and more likely I'll wind up in... Uh, Las Vegas at some point soon too. So yeah, it's, yeah, it, it'd be real nice to just be able to take it down there because you can play it as a, a handheld as well as, as a console. And so you can, right. you can do it however you feel like, but yeah, um, I, I just haven't managed to talk fast enough, I guess. <laughs> I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Did you have any other picks? No, that was it. I'm good. Okay. So uh, I'm going to jump in with some picks. Uh, one game that I've been playing lately on my uh, iPad and iPhone is uh, it's called Star Realms, and it's a card game. And uh, funny enough, it's actually it, you play it as the card game. So um, I've I've really been enjoying it. it it's kind of my style of of play. You know, it's it's a game that I can just sit and kind of you know work through, and I've really really been enjoying it. So. Um, I'm going to pick that star realm. I am pretty sure you can buy it as a card game too. So yeah, that that's, that's probably interesting to some folks if you're really into uh, card or board games. And then lately my wife and I have been playing with some friends of ours, uh, pandemic legacy, and that's also a fun one. So if you're into board games at all, um, definitely check those out. Yeah. Those are my picks. One last question I have for you is, if people want to follow you, see what you're working on these days, anything like that, are you on Twitter or have a blog or anything like that? Yeah, you can, uh, you can find me on, on Twitter at um, DPS3, and you can also find me on GitHub under the same name as well. And hopefully I'll be able to start putting out some more open source now in between these projects. Yeah, we'll look forward to it. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this show up. Thank you for coming and talking to us and sharing your experience yeah. with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's all right. Fun. We will wrap this one up, folks, and we will catch you all next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.